This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Chapter 3. I'm going to just kind of change a little bit where I was going to talk about what was coming out there. Wow, it's so it, it warm. It's so warm. Wow. Yeah, well, I'm not going to enjoy it. <laughs> Ephesians 3. Just want to talk this morning about uh, the Father's heart. Ephesians 3. Verse 14 says, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work in us. Isn't that wonderful? Ever wondered really, what, what is, we talk about the Father's heart, what does the Father's heart look like? I think one of the the major characteristics of the Father's heart is the fact that he's a God of unconditional love and compassion. So if we want to know something what the Father's heart's like, actually, it's a heart that's full of unconditional love. Look what it says in verse 19 there. It speaks about a love which passes or surpasses knowledge. In other words, it's, it's something that you, you can never actually mentally understand. Do you ever feel sometimes, Lord, I've messed up so much, I've, you know, I've made so many mistakes. How can you love me? I've never felt that How can you love me? Because often the love of God, the Father's love for us, the unconditional Father's love, is actually something you can't actually fully intellectually understand in your mind. It goes beyond our thinking. It goes beyond the mind. I think one of the, and that's important because I think one of the things that it, it's so important that, we, that when we come before God, I think it's important that we have a revelation understanding that God actually enjoys us being there. I actually think a lot of Christians have got this kind of sense that God doesn't actually enjoy them coming. <laughs> that he doesn't really enjoy them, that he kind of puts up with them maybe. But there's no real awareness that when you come before Father, he enjoys you being there. He enjoys you coming before him. Now, unless you have that confidence, unless you have that awareness, you're going to struggle in your prayer life. You're not right. You're going to struggle. How can you spend time? How can you pray to someone that you're not sure actually enjoys you being there? Isn't that true? 
ever be somewhere and they don't want you to be there. <laughs> and there's that sense that they don't really want me here, you know, and you don't really want to be there, not because you don't want to be there, it's because you know they don't want you here. I think sometimes that's rather like that with God. We kind of go through the routine of whatever we do, but deep in the depths of our being there's a sense that, actually, I'm not quite sure that God actually wants me there or actually enjoys me. I think one of the greatest things you can realise is that God actually enjoys you. And he loves you being in his presence. He loves you being there. Here's what happens. It's because sometimes we've got a very distorted view of what God's like. Many years ago, when I was in Kenya, one of the things that struck me, I remember the guy I was with when he was in Kenya, he, he got a bar of chocolate, and I had this bar of chocolate, he just opened a bar of chocolate, and this, this young lad was just there, and he gave a piece of chocolate to a lad. And before you knew where you were, I mean, literally, there were hundreds, just, I don't know where they came from, they just kind of, they absolutely just, just shot around this guy. They came from all over the place, and they began to just, literally, just grabbing this chocolate. And one thing we found out, they're in Kenya, Particularly, it's a big problem there. They have, have what they call street kids. It's a tragedy, really, because a lot of those kids, usually through AIDS or through various things, have become orphaned. They've literally, or the parents can't afford them, so they kind of throw them out on the street. And one thing you discover about those kids, they know, almost they've got to fend for themselves. They, everything they have, they know they've got to fight for it. They've got to fight other kids for it. And everything they have in life, they have to fight for it. Sometimes the tragedy is most of those kids, actually, statistically, they never tend to live beyond the age of 20. It's absolutely a horrendous situation. Street kids are there. Orphan kids. In a, in a way, a lot of Christians can almost be as orphans. Even though we're children of God, we can actually live our lives as spiritual orphans. We think everything we've got to have, we've got to fight for, and we've got to manipulate, we've got to force to get it. Because we've never had a real true revelation, I'm loved by Father. I'm not an orphan, I'm a child of God. Even though we may not be orphans, spiritually speaking, yet we can, be, we can behave and act like before God, we are orphans. Because we think we've got to struggle and strive and manipulate and try to get from God rather than realising we're children of God. Amen? And get a revelation that we are children of God, that we're valued, we're accepted. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you and accept you more. He loves you. You know what an orphan also feels? An orphan feels like he doesn't really belong. Ever, ever, ever had this feeling that you're on the outside looking in? Ever, 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 ever had that feeling? And sometimes almost with the Father we can feel like, we, we feel like we're on the outside looking in. We don't feel like we belong. We don't feel like he loves us. And we don't feel like we're valued. And out of that kind of, out of that kind of view of God, it affects our relationship with God. And I think what we desperately need We need a supernatural encounter with the love of God. Now often it sounds very, very simple. Yet I believe with all my heart, I think it's the major roots of many Christians' problems. Look what it says there in Ephesians 3 again, verse 15. It says, From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. In other words, 
everyone takes their source from God the Father. In other words, the source of our identity is a realisation of whom we belong to. Identity. Knowing who we are. And I think insecurity is a lack of identity. And it comes from a lack of encounter with the love of the Father. Because when we have When we don't really experience and really encounter the love of the Father, it affects our identity. And if we don't get our identity from the Father, we tend to look for our identity from other things. It can be from our careers. It can be from our jobs. It can be through our relationships. It can be through even the things we do for God. We're desperately looking for some kind of identity. And because we are not finally in the revelation of the Father's love, we begin to look for the identity in something or someone else. Because we've not really grasped of the Father's love for us. It says in verse 17 there, Paul says that, he says that we are rooted and were grounded in love. Two illustrations there. Rooted and grounded in love. A tree, and the word there for tree actually in the Greek speaks of a, a powerful, strong, massive tree. The strength of a tree is found in its where? Its roots. That's what enables the tree to stand in the storms, enables the tree to go through what it goes through because the roots are the strength of the tree. The deeper the roots, the stronger the tree is. And Paul says that you need to make sure that your roots are grounded, that your roots are right there, deep rooted in the love of God. So when the storms of your life come, when the difficulties of life attack your life, you're rooted. That you know God still loves you. You know that God is still good. Regardless of what's happening around you, you still believe God's good. Because you are rooted in the love of God. And nothing can drive you from that. If we're not rooted in the love of God, when the crisis comes, when the problems come, we begin to truly question the love of God. Because we're not rooted in the love of God. And Paul says rooted, and the second word is the word grounded, which speaks of of, of a foundation of a house. Both of those things speak of something you can't see, something unseen. Root, foundation. In other words, the foundation of our Christian life has to be founded on the love of God. It's the most important foundation that you can build your life on. And unless, as believers, we build our lives on a foundation of a revelation of the Father's love, then we're always going to struggle. We're always going to be up and down in life. We've got to make sure that my foundation, I'm founded, I'm building my life, not on, on, on my circumstances, not what I feel, I'm building my life solely on the fact I'm loved by God, unconditionally. I'm loved by Father. Rooted and grounded in the Love of God. Now, often as we look at that, it often sounds very obvious. But I wonder this morning, how many people really build their lives on the unconditional love of God? Paul says, it's the love of God that constrains me. Or, it's the love of God that controls me. It's the love of God that actually 
gives me the strength that empowers my life to do what I do. I do what I do, I go through what I go through, because I know and I've experienced the love that God has for me. I'm compelled and controlled by the love of God. Those things have to be at the core of our hearts. Because unless that's at the core of our hearts, we can try to kind of, try to look for approval, try to look for other things, because we're not really built and established in the love of God. We, we begin to be driven by other things, the, the desire to succeed, the desire for approval. We're driven by the fear of failure, the fear of what things might happen. And we're driven at the core of our being by wrong things, because at the core of our being, we've never grasped the Father's heart of how much we're loved by God. Look at John 17. I'd encourage you, if you get a chance, to just meditate, to read through John 17. It's Jesus' prayer, and it's just full of so many amazing truths. Look what Jesus says, John 17, verse 26. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it. Get a hold of this. But the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Isn't that a powerful scripture there? How did Jesus sustain his ministry? How did he go through what he went through? The cross, the suffering, the opposition. How did he go through what he went through? I think one of the reasons that enabled him to go through what he went through was because within him, the thing that sustained him was the awareness of the Father's love for him. He said, I can't do anything unless the Father first does it through me. The words I say to you are not my words, but the words the Father gives me to say. Everything he went through, everything that he did, was the fact he was sustained by the love of the Father that sustained him in the inner man. That's what strengthened him. That was empowered him, was an awareness that he was loved by the Father. It was all his baptism. When Jesus commenced his ministry, he commenced it with these words. This is my son who I am well pleased with. In other words, Words of approval, words of affirmation were spoken into his life. And out of his relationship with the Father, out of his sense that the Father loves me, it sustained him through all those challenges and all the things he went through in life. Now here's what Jesus is saying. The same love that the Father has placed in me is the same love that's in you. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? The same love with which the Father has loved me is the same love which will sustain you. It's the same love that the Father has placed within you. Look what it says a bit further down there. So in verse 23. Again, these things are just awesome. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and love them, notice this, as you have loved me. Think about this. For God loves fallen human beings the same way he loved 
Jesus. Isn't that awesome? The same way that Jesus was loved by the Father is the same way that Jesus loves you. Now, that's hard for us to grasp. It's hard for us to grasp that Jesus, that the same love that the Father loved Jesus is the same love the Father loves me. Now, we want to intellectualize that. We want to argue against that. We want to reason that out. But the truth of the Word of God is simply this. The same love that loved Jesus is the same love that loved you. Now, when you get a hold of that, when you get a grasp of that, when that gets down to the depth of the core of your being, I think it changes everything around you. Is that true? I'm loved by my Father. The same love that Jesus loved, that that love of full measure, loves me. In other words, God's got no favourites. Is this running out? Am I all right? Can you still hear me? You know, I think one of the things that sometimes we feel... Ever felt this way sometimes that God's got favourites? That maybe he seems to love people a little bit more than me. How many feel that sometimes? Some people feel like they're invisible. People say, I just feel invisible. It's at most, feel, I'm not noticed, I'm invisible. We often feel that the Father sees us. Almost he doesn't see us, he doesn't notice us. We're almost invisible. And people live their lives with this sense that although kind of God loves them, there's, there's, there's certain levels, there's certain... Favorites, there's certain dimensions of that love towards a person. But God loves you the same as he loves everybody else. The same way God loves Billy Graham is the same way he loves you. He may use people in different ways and different means, but the truth is, we're all loved equally. I'm his favorite son. And guess what? So are you. You're his favorite child. You're not the son. You're not, you're not the kind of child who's kind of put outside or, or put, you know, kind of left in a distance. The Father loves you the same, equally the same. Look at some of the terms. Go back to Ephesians 3. Look at some of the terms that Paul uses there. It says in verse 18, it says that you may be able to comprehend the love with all the saints, the width the length and the depth and the heights. That word there means to have a firm mental grasp, to lay hold of something with your mind. It's talking about the process of grasping mentally something, grasping mentally an ideal and a truth. And the Apostle Paul is praying that Christians may lay hold of the love of God. They would know the breadth of it. They would know the length of it. They would know the depth of it. They would know the height of it. In other words, this love of God is something that you need to constantly dwell on and meditate on. If you don't continually meditate and think on it and meditate on it, you tend to lose it. And the more you think on it, the more you meditate on it, the more you let it go down to the core of your heart, the greater that love will grow in you. Sing about it. Every day, sing about how much God loves you. Begin to declare it. Read in the scriptures and declare, God, thank you that you love me the same way that you love Jesus. Thank you, I'm loved by you. Thank you, I'm valued by you. Begin to declare, confess, sing, do everything you can to let the truth of God's love get into the depth of your heart. Paul says, comprehend. Begin to assess, mentally grasp and understand that you are loved by God. God. Then he also says in verse 19, although you need to comprehend it, he says it's a love 
verse 19, which passes knowledge. I think it's important that we grasp it and understand it in our heads and our minds. But you know what? That is never fully enough. Because if, imagine if, you know, how would you like to have a, you know, in your, in your, in your married relationship, that if, that married, if that married relationship is always based on intellectual love, how many know, how many know it's not a strong love because it's just intellectualized? You've got to feel it and experience it. And it's as much as vital as important that we grasp and understand the love of God, we also need not just to mentally assess it, we need to personally experience this love of God for ourselves. I really believe with all my heart that I'm talking about the love of God, I actually believe every person has the potential to experience the love of God. Romans 5, I think, is verse 9. You know what Paul says? Paul says that for the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. If you look at that verse clearly, it says, or I think it's Romans 5 verse 9, it says, it says, the love of God does not disappoint. He says, because, we, because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You think about it, if something's been shed abroad in your heart, wouldn't you say that's something you would actually feel or experience? And he's saying that that love doesn't disappoint. There's a lot of things in life that disappoint. But there is one thing to deal with the disappointments in life is to experience and encounter and to know the love of God. That's poured into your heart. Looking like at the moon. That love of God is poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit. You experience it. You encounter it. It, it takes over you. It, it, it's right there at the core of your heart. The love of God. Now, when Paul says the love of God, he uses a, you know what, in the Greek language, there are, I think there's up to seven Greek words to describe love. I mentioned it before. Seven Greek words to describe love. There is eros, which is sexual love. There is storage, which is a kind of affections among family members. And there's philia, which is friendship love. So the Greeks were quite good because they realised there's different levels, there's different kinds of love. Is that true? Often the love you've got for, for, for your friends is different, hopefully, for the love you have for your wife. You know, you, there's different levels, there's different dimensions, there's different ways that there's love... Is, is manufactured in different ways. We often said, you know, we say, you know, I love custard and I love my wife. Everybody realise that, you know, there's a di- everybody would say there's a difference there. Hopefully you get a difference there. Now, the way the Greeks dealt with that is to actually have different words that describe different levels of love. When it comes to describe the love of God, they almost created a new word. It was the word agape, which means un conditional love. The only way they could define the love of God is it's a love that's absolutely totally and utterly unconditional. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it, the love is unconditional. Unconditional love. And I think when I realise I'm loved with unconditional love, it changes everything about me. My fears go, my anxiety go. Everything begins to change when I encounter agape, unconditional love. 
And there are three marks about unconditional agape love. The first mark is it's, it's a love that's unconditional that actually gives a commitment to his people. The Lord says, I love you, I'm committed to you, no matter what. And that unconditional love means God is not looking for a reason to love you. Often we love because there's a reason to love. We love people because of maybe good or nice things they do for us. And we say that's a good person to love because of what they do for us. And often human love is actually motivated out of something they see that would, would cause them to love. You know, the love of God actually is a love without cause. God is not looking for a reason to love. The heart of the Father is that I love you when you mess up. I love you when you're down. I love you when you're up. You know, the love of the Father is so unconditional. He loved us when we did not love him. It's unconditional love. He says, I'm not looking for a reason to love you. I love you because I love. Here's the next thing. Agape, unconditional love, always goes the extra mile. Remember when Jesus talked about the, how you kind of respond to people? He says, if you're asked to go one mile, then go the extra mile. Remember that term? The extra mile, go the extra mile. And the one thing I found about the agape love of God is it always goes the extra mile. He forgives me, but he always goes beyond the forgiveness. He restores me, but he always goes even beyond the restoration. I've often said, the best way to term restoration means you always you what you have is better than what when God restores something it's better than what it was before everything God does is always beyond the norm he always goes the extra mile and agape love means that God always goes the extra mile with us he always goes above and beyond amen that's the unconditional love of God beyond and above and I think agape love is perfectly demonstrated through Jesus. That's why it's good to look at the cross many, many times. Because the more I look at the cross, the more I realise that's how much passionately God loves me. That's how passionately He is in love with me. So the cross doesn't have to be something that I, that I just... something of history... But I look at the cross and it's an experience where I begin to see that God loves me with the depth and the level of that passion. It's sheer passion. It's sheer sacrificial love. And when I begin to personalise it, I recognise, Father, thank you. That's the way you love me. That's how much you love me, with such depth, with such power. Go to 1 John 4, verse 16. Great verse here. John's letter is full of God's love. And it says in verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we in this world. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. There's two Greek words for, for knowing. There's the word gnosis, which means intellectual knowledge, and eschamonosis, which actually means experience with knowledge. And here, John talks about having a love that we experience with knowledge. How do we know whether I have just intellectual knowledge or experienced knowledge of love? If I'm still full of fear, if I'm still full of anxiety, if I'm still struggling with identity, if, I'm, if I still feel insecure, I know it in my head, but I'm not experiencing it in my heart. And John says we need to really truly believe in that love and we need to know that love with experienced knowledge. In verse 18 he says there is no fear in love. In other words, the Father loves me enough not to allow that issue to destroy your life. And there's the point. Why do we fear? Because we're not encountering the love of God to the depth to which we should be encountering it. The more I experience perfect love, the more fear is driven out of my life. The more love fills my life, the less fear has a, a grip on my life. And often the reason why we struggle with fear is because We've not experienced the perfection of that love to the degree, to the level that we need to. I'd actually say the greatest mark, really, of how much we've experienced and encountered that love often is often by the mark of obedience. You know what I found more and more? That often the more we know that love, the easier we find it is to obey God. See, if you think about it, if I don't really believe God loves me, I'm going to struggle to obey him because I'm not going to think what he has for me is going to be my best. And people don't obey God because they think somewhere they're going to miss out on life. They don't think God really has the best for them. So if I fully obey God, then I'm going to miss out on life. I'm going to miss out on things. But the more I realise how much he loves me, then the more I want to obey him. Because the highest level of love is you obey God out of love. People sometimes obey God because they're afraid of the consequences as if they don't obey Him. But the highest level of love is you obey God because you know He loves you. And you know He loves you, you know He's got His best for you, so there's no problem in, in obeying somebody who really loves you. The problem is when you don't really know He loves you, when you've not really experienced that, then there's a, always a battle in obeying Him because you're not quite sure that you're going to benefit from it. But that love, when it impacts your heart, Obeying becomes a lot more easier when we realise how much we are loved by God. This love of God as well I'm talking about means also the ability to take risks with people. The Bible says we love people because God loves us. In other words, as God loves fills me, that gives me the ability to love people. And every time you love people, every realise there's always a risk. That's true. You've got the risk of being betrayed, the risk of being let down, the risk of being hurt. I got this great quote from C.S. Lewis. I love what he said about love. He says, To love at all is to be vulnerable. 
Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up in a safe casket of your selfishness. Bring that casket is safe, dark, motionless. It changes. It will be broken. It will become unbreakable, unpenetrable, unredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. And actually to love God is to be vulnerable. It's actually to say, God, I love you. And I know that you have your best for me. You know, the Bible says that faith works by love. You can't really trust God unless you really encounter his love. I think people struggle in faith because they've never really encountered the love. The more you encounter his love, the more you begin to trust him, the more you begin to put your faith and your trust in him. You know what he said he will do. His promises will come to pass. Let me close with this one last verse. Romans 5 verse 5. We'll look to it, but let me just close with this. Romans 5 verse 5. Just want you to see this for yourself today. Romans 5 verse 5. Underline it, think on it, meditate it, do all that you need to do. It says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And that word Paul there means spilling. Paul is saying that God has poured lavish love and that lavish love has been poured into our hearts. And he's saying that the love of God has so suffused us that it controls and captivates our hearts. This picture, ever thrown a stone, I used to like big stones. Ever thrown a big stone into a pond and the ripples, ever seen that? I love doing that, you just throw a massive stone in and all the ripples come off, that's cool. Uh, bigger the stone, the bigger the ripples. And that's what Paul's saying, it's a picture that, that the love of God so infuses you, so much ripple after ripple after ripple, a father affection just grasping, holding, being poured into your heart. And it's poured into the point that you're just overwhelmed by it, you're just overcome by it. All the barriers come down, all the walls come down, our hearts become opened as the love of the Father and the affections of the Father is being poured into the depth of our hearts. It makes us strong, it makes us secure, it gives us strength, it gives us ability, it just changes us. You know, one thing about water, it always goes to the lowest points. And where we've been wounded, where we've been hurt, where we feel guilt, where we feel shame, the love of God just pours into the lowest depth of our hearts. And we just come as little children, come to the Father's heart and let his love be poured into us. Let's just stand, shall we? Let's just come before him. Let's just stand right now for these few moments. I want you to pray in this moment. Say, Lord, today, just pour the affections of the Father into my heart right now. Say, Father God, pour your loving affections into my heart. I wonder right now there's 
Sometimes we need a supernatural encounter with the love of God. That means we have to let the walls down, the barriers down, and just invite the love of God in. Let him pour his love into your heart by the Holy Spirit. I believe that's the, that's the secret to living a victorious, successful life for God. It's to let the love of the Father be poured into your heart, grounded, rooted in the love of God. Notice what Paul says after all that. He says that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. Everything else comes from that experience of the love of God. When you experience that love, then often you come into greater levels of God's fullness. As long as we struggle with that aspect, then we'll never fully come into the fullness of God's love. Right now, just for a few moments, just put your hand on your heart right now. We just want to pray. Say today, infuse my heart. Holy Spirit with the Father's affection now into my heart. Let me be grounded and rooted in the love of God. Father, we come to you today. Thank you that we're loved with a love that goes beyond our understanding. And I pray right now by your Holy Spirit that you would infuse every single one of us today with your love. That we would know and we would believe the love that the Father has for us. Infuse us Lord, shed abroad in our hearts right now the love of God. We can't manufacture it. We know we don't deserve it. We've not earned it. But Lord, thank you for your amazing grace. And I pray now, Holy Spirit, would you shed abroad. Would you reveal right now to every heart how much you love them. The height, the breadth, the length and the height of the love that you have right now. Help us to know we're loved by you. Thank you we don't have to struggle or strive. Thank you that you've not left us as orphans. But we are your children. We are fathered by you. We belong to you. We are your children because you died and shed your blood for us and we belong to you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, now, help us to come to a place where we would come to know and come to experience the love the Father has for us. Oh, we ask you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To live, we download from Luxembourg Church. For more downloads, information, or contact us, please visit our website, theluxembourg.co.uk.